Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Where are we? In the village. And what episode are we talking about today? Apparently, we're talking about the chimes of Big Ben. That's right. Um, uh, this is episode two, apparently, according to the UK run and the Blu-ray, um, but not the production order or I think the intended running order. Uh, and certainly not the original broadcast order in Canada, as we talked about last episode. Um, but this this was made fifth, for what it's worth. And I think it was intended to be around fourth or fifth, but they put it out now. Um, so we watched it. Yeah. And it does not feel like it fits. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's clear that he's been there for... Even before they specifically state, you've been gone for months, it just feels like he's settled in, like he has not particularly gotten used to being there, but he, well, maybe he's gotten used to it, but doesn't enjoy it. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's a very jarring sort of a jump, which isn't necessarily a bad thing considering what a weird show The Prisoner is overall, like, you know, being put off kilter a bit isn't necessarily the worst thing but i i I don't know i I don't particularly like this as episode number two no i think um dance of the dead which ended up being episode eight in the original broadcast i think was supposed to be number the second episode i can't say number two because that's far too confusing uh i think it was supposed to be episode two or maybe free for all i can't remember now but for some reason chimes of big ben got stuck you're right because there's and there's kind of some similarities to arrival in that the mm. you know a girl comes to the woman comes to the village and the prisoner hooks mm-hmm. number six kind of hooks up they find a way to get out and he doesn't mm-hmm. get back and you know that sort of thing there are similarities it's weird that they chose this one yeah it's you're right it is very similar it's like okay so here's this guy who's this you know super spy or whatever and he just falls into the same thing two times in a row, even though there's months in between. Yeah, it's, I don't know, not a not a fan of this. As we mentioned last time, the Canadian order had mm-hmm. this as the very last one, which I, well, the very last of the first 10 episodes. 13. Or 13 yeah. episodes, which I kind of love. This is a last episode, fantastic, where he thinks he's finally gotten away And then at the end, he hasn't, and he just wanders, you know, says, be seeing you, and just heads on home. Oh, this is, I think that's great. Yay, Canada. (laughs) For screwing it up and putting this one on last for some reason. I don't think it was screwed up. I'm guessing that whoever, whoever guessed, it was just a a screw up. Are you sure? Listen, I I worked in the TV industry in the 90s and 2000s and knew how slipshod TV <laughs> scheduling was then I can't imagine how nonsensical it was back in those days when they're sure we'll take whatever episode this is and you know for Doctor Who premiered in the US uh, on August 21st 1972 with Doctor Who and the Silurians <laughs> why, why do you start with a second episode of a new Doctor makes no sense so yeah I don't think it was I think it was just like they probably got Chimes of Big Ben 13th and decided to just air it, whatever it was. That's my guess. You could be right, but my uh, my RLHC, my real-life headcanon, okay. <laughs> I, just, I just made that up. Right. Um, my real-life headcanon is that, uh, that somebody had, um, that they actually got a, 
more of them all at once and just had to choose what to air when. Mm-hmm. And somebody just fell in love with this show the same way I did and just watched all of them, like some person at the TV st- studio, and was like, just decided that thematically it made sense. Because, like I said, it's great. It's a wonderful end. It's dark. It's like it ends on such a creepy downer. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It's a bit of a downer. I suppose no uh, episode of The Prisoner really ends with a happy ending <laughs> because he usually winds up back in the village. Spoiler alert for the rest of the series. Um, but this one does feel like... I, you're right. I do feel like this one kind of needs to be earned and that it looks like number six actually gets out of the village, gets back to what he thinks is London mm-hmm. and of course has the the football taken away from him just as he's about to kick the field goal a la Lucy mm-hmm. and he's actually back in the village at Fothering Gay and Colonel J I think is what his name is which sounds like a fun group um, <laughs> are, are appear to be working for whoever runs this mysterious village as well mm-hmm. uh, yeah Kevin Stoney Kevin Stoney who you just saw a few months ago I think in Doctor Who and it would have just worked on mm-hmm doctor who a few months before this um because this is shot around the same time what did we just see him in dalek's master plan oh that's right of course he was in dalek's master plan i I was immediately thinking of uh the invasion and i'm like we haven't gotten there yet i was confused no we haven't uh leo mckern is number two Mm -hmm. in this see they shot this one and followed which turned out to be and was always intended to be the penultimate ep- uh, episode of the whole series back to back five and six so they obviously thought that leo mckern is going to be sort of the guy to be you know bookending so maybe that's why maybe they wanted to separate the leo mckernness since there's new number twos every i don't know yeah it's weird although i can i can definitely understand he just there's there's real on-screen chemistry between mcguin and mckern and yeah like he just i don't know exudes number two-ness i don't know what that means but it but it's true he's the quintessential number two i suppose in relation to you know sort of the stoic number six and you know it's almost like uh number two is like the laughing comic fault and which yeah it does kind of work doesn't it yeah it does he's he's avuncular he's jolly almost he laughs a lot and he keeps you know harping on number six's um sense of humor and there's there's like that little back and forth you know that number six is just trying to get his goat when he's dropping the sugar cubes in there and just his number two's huffiness as he sits back in his chair actually i love the first shot of him in the chair with his like he's just sitting cross-legged and there's this little tennis shoes and just like it's just so cute and i don't know i like it Yep, he's pretty cool. It's, it's funny how I think throughout the course, this I think Magoon, um annoyed a lot of people on the set and in the production and made a lot of enemies, I think, throughout the course of this. But he found a few people he sort of really kind of took a shine to, uh, especially later on in the series. You can see that some of these people sort of start coming back into more and more episodes. Uh, some of his different characters, I think, because he, he quite liked them. I think Leo McKern... Um, was one of those people although although fallout we'll get to that uh was a bit of a nightmare to to shoot so um but we'll get like i said we'll get to that in like 16 weeks time um so what do you what do you think of chimes big ben i like it i mean if uh, i have to sort of take away my annoyance at the placement of it but since this is my second time watching 
all of the prisoner and we watched it in the same order the first time uh it didn't kind of i don't think it annoyed me as much at the time because i didn't know any better like mm-hmm. i wouldn't have had any thoughts of it, it being anywhere else um i just i think it's a it's a great story I, I even at the time i was a little bit like tilting my head going huh at the fact that here we have the same story as i just saw and i mean i can't remember if i was thinking is this what every episode is of the prisoner like is it a woman trying to uh, trying to pull one over on him or help him escape every single episode uh, but i think that this one was a little bit more successful for me in that that side of the of the plot because well, maybe just because it went on for longer and because I love the fact that he's so like he just doesn't trust her until, you know, pretty far in. And I'm never sure that he entirely does, especially like when they're in the box uh, and she keeps talking to him and he's just like, "Ugh, you can tell he is so not into it. Just stop talking. Go to sleep. Shut up, lady. Quit talking my ear off. Um, so, uh-huh. and I mean, maybe that was just because he was tired, but I, I read it as he is, is not particularly falling for her charms regardless. Which I think was pointedly on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, cause Patrick McGowan was cr- seeking to create the anti James Bond mm-hmm. in this. And James Bond was very much known as the woman. In fact, Patrick McGowan turned down the role of James Bond. Uh, I think it was for... I think he was offered it twice. I think he was offered it for when Connery started in, in Dr. No because he was in uh, Secret Age Man at that point. And then I think he was also offered it when Connery left and he turned it down on both occasions because he he, just, he wanted to disavow himself of that whole thing. So I think he would, that's an active thing on his own. You, you'll find that there's no real romantic subplots in The Prisoner at all. In fact, I think even... Uh, he was very tentative about playing that scene where number six and Nadia are sort of like faking a romantic conversation to sort of um, trade information back and forth about about their um, escape. Yeah. Wow, that is fascinating. I didn't. Now I'm now I'm trying to picture Patrick McGowan as James Bond. We must need we need to watch Secret Agent Man now, like after we're done with this, because I'm really curious about it. Does it exist? Please tell me it's not missing. No, it does exist. Um, I would love. I don't know where to, where you'd find it. I think there was a TV station in this country called Bravo, um, which is now full of you know lifestyle shows and everything else. But back in the day when they sort of first launched, they not only aired Secret Agent Man. But it was the only place that I've ever seen in Canada in my lifetime air the Avengers. They had the Avengers on. I, it was never on when I could catch it, so that's why I, I only watched like brief little bits of it. Um, and so they would have aired it there, and they, they aired the whole thing. And yeah, but I don't know where you'd find that now. Would like Acorn have that? Like I don't know where you'd even track this stuff down. We'd have to look into it. I assume that the Bravo you're talking about is different from the Bravo in the United States. Yeah, Bravo was uh, is supposedly still like an arts artsy kind of mm-hmm. channel. It was very heavy in the arts, and then uh, is bought up by some <laughs> telecom or uh, communications conglomerate, and is now just another place to stick mm-hmm. various reruns and everything. Which is kind of funny because that's sort of what the Bravo in the states was too. It was a cable channel that like started with you know kind of artsy. RC stuff and like inside the actor studio and stuff I think was mm-hmm. was on there and then it ended up becoming you know reality competition show central which it aired top chef so I was fine with that but 
They met in the middle. They both met in the middle, basically, Canada and the U.S. Um, What else about this? I'm noticing now when, you know, it was shot fifth, as I said. I had to look that up. I didn't know that off off the top of my head. But I noticed that um, only, I think, the first three or four episodes did Patrick McGowan actually go to Port Marion and Wales to shoot stuff. Uh, All the rest... Uh, are either doubles or very quick edits. You know, there's one quick shot of him looking up at the helicopter that's landing behind him. That's from Arrival. Uh, there's a stunt double in there. He's always on set or something, um, which I find odd, you know, that, that that village is so iconic, yet they actually shot so little material there um, during the original shoot. I guess that goes to show you just how iconic it is because it the, the fact that it stands out so much that they were able to like it just feels like such a real place mm. even even with a minimum of actual footage there yeah yeah a lot of stuff on on studio and i think that the the arts hall i think was probably not in port marion because everyone's there and they wouldn't pay that many people <laughs> to go out and shoot all of it i find that this is perhaps one of the more straightforward episodes mm of the prisoner but would you concur with that i think so i mean i don't really remember I, I like i could not look at any of the titles for the upcoming ones and tell you anything that happened in them i don't remember it that well but i do remember that they are just weird and get weirder and weirder and weirder and yeah this one is definitely much more much more straightforward i do find it kind of depressing almost a little bit that this one is entirely unraveled because dude sets his watch wrong by an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, really? This is supposed to be, a, you know, whichever side it is that runs the village, it's a super secret spy organization, and they, they screw up, you know, that little thing. Which, you know, people screw up sometimes, so it's not like it's unbelievable. It's just, it's just a little sad. It is, but I mean, where did they run into? Was it on the beach in Poland? Is the village in Lithuania? You know, that's also something that sort of gets cast like a wow, because they're there's they spend most of that journey in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, I don't get the impression that anything that she told him was true at all. So I don't, I don't, I don't buy any of that. And actually, it also kind of makes me very fascinated that we have all of these shots from outside the box we've got the airplane and we've got you know the the crane lifting up the the boxes and stuff like that and you know the airplane plane is a british airlines plane um but you know what what is that supposed to be is that supposed to be what actually happened to that box that they just sort of go around in a circle and take them right back to the village and we couldn't tell because it's you know a close-up shot on an airplane and stuff or is that supposed to simply represent what um, what they are sort of experiencing from inside the box, what number six is imagining is happening from outside. Because, I mean, obviously, like, you know, they're definitely on a boat. They're definitely on a plane because, you know, they're awake in there and Nadia is getting seasick and, yeah. you know, he's he's paying attention to the time and he's experiencing everything and sort of knowing when they're landing and stuff. But um, do they really need to go to the trouble of using an actual British Airways plane? Um, not necessarily. Do they actually need to really go anywhere on a ship? No, they could just sort of go back and forth in a bay or something. Or would someone like number six know? Mm, would he be able to, you know, he he, mm-hmm. he he counts the chimes of Big Ben while he's talking mm-hmm. to the colonel. 
and picks up then um, and comes very close to actually saying why he resigned. That's, mm-hmm. you know, he's like almost says, because for, for a time I felt that, oh, and then, then he stops right then and there. If if perhaps they had landed at like 12 noon or midnight or something mm-hmm. and the chimes of Big Ben went on for three more chimes, they might have got more out of him, <laughs> which is kind of amusing. No, I, I think they had to sort of do the, do the whole ruse because he's, 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 he's a secret agent. He knows all the tricks he's probably been on, mm-hmm. on boats, you know. Except they couldn't have done the actual route because then he would have ended up in London. Mm-hmm. So they, I suppose they would have just had to sort of figure out, okay, we've told them they landed at this place in Poland so we need to have them on a boat for X number of hours and on a plane for X number of hours and then end up with them back in the village so mm-hmm. I suppose that makes sense does I suppose mm-hmm. you scoffed at, uh, at his boat though when when he was making it what, what, what did you find fault with the boat uh, well he cuts down this tree first of all we see the tree that he cuts down and then suddenly like he's carved that one tree it, it looks like that he was supposed to have carved that one tree into the shell of this giant boat which is like twice as wide as the tree was to start with oh that just that made me laugh I didn't have a problem with it I just I giggled because that was ridiculous I know nothing of woodwork is that possible can he do that can he carve a bigger tree out of a no it's it's just like the TARDIS <laughs> yeah it's uh it's bigger on the inside once you cut into the tree mm-hmm. it's suddenly suddenly larger um I did also like the uh the art show with number two yeah. <laughs> in every possible medium you can think of how I, how did they do that that they just like commission um, different artists to, to do those or do they just have like the set designer just whip up a whole bunch of stuff there's a lot of different designs there mm-hmm. I think I think they probably got a lot of different people to sort of paint there's a, there's one that's like looks very amateurish <laughs> I imagine it's probably a sta- uh, uh, crew member that probably couldn't paint that's my guess mm-hmm. I love that it's um, everyone in the village makes something that's a tribute to number two mm-hmm. you know it's not a requirement it's just something they naturally do okay. and so the art crew when they look at number six's thing this is just one question where is number two but the answer is right there the way that it is framed there is a picture of number two right through that circle mm-hmm. um in the middle of the the what ends up being the, the base of the boat and even at the point where McGowan comes around behind it and sticks his head through the hole to talk to the uh, committee, he doesn't stick his head far enough to, to block out number two. Number two is perfectly visible, lined up in the hole with number six together. Yeah, as he's talking about escape. I never noticed that. Really? No. That is why the show <laughs> is brilliant. Because mm-hmm. it never lets its guard down for a mm-hmm. second it always ha- wow that's mm-hmm. that well spotted thank you yeah, yeah i just I, I noticed that and was just like this is so cool yeah because it had to have been on purpose especially oh, yeah. so, you know where is number two and then you look at it and you're like oh he's right there he's right through the escape you know mm-hmm. you know he's he's on the other side mm. this is amazing i've watched the show so many times leading up to the first time watching it with you mm-hmm. which you know makes me want to sort of analyze it a bit more because I'm looking at it a little more closely because I know you'll be watching it the first time and now watching it again for this podcast and you point out stuff that I've never <laughs> seen before. This is why this show endures for 50 years mm-hmm. because there's always something more to notice about it and now I, I feel like I want to watch Chimes of Big Ben again and <laughs> and see, how, not now, but I, and see how that, you know, watching it with that in mind. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. 
I still remember, I don't remember exactly which episode it was, but somewhere along the line where I realized that he's wearing a blue shirt underneath a black blazer, which, you know, total fashion faux pas, mm-hmm. but it, uh, like, I just, it, it was something that just sort of zipped by me until one episode. Suddenly I noticed it, like, oh my God, that's been here all along. So even something as silly as a, a wardrobe combo mm-hmm. that just, like, it, I felt like it was hiding in plain sight and, and the... I don't know the the nature of the show with the the suspicion and everything um just made me sort of I felt like they pulled one over on me for multiple episodes. So watching this, I was I was particularly particularly noticing that. Mm-hmm. That's how the show does it to you. Yep. Yeah. Uh I find it ironic that as we're recording this, um I think a couple days ago the chimes of big ben were actually silenced uh and are because uh, they're being it's being worked on for the next three or four years apparently so the fact that we had an episode called the chimes of big ben rather ironic i had that very thought when it uh when it first started up um big ben or big bill mm-hmm. as uh as she called it wah, wah. because she's not from england she doesn't know these things you see mm-hmm. no she wouldn't i did find it um Another echo back to Arrival, the first episode, was that at the end of it, you have, you know, one of the people who is who was in on it, you know, hanging out with number two and being like, well, I'm heading out um, mm-hmm. now. I'm, I'm going back to work. And he actually had a couple of them in this one because you have uh, Kevin Stoney at the end. Yeah. Saying, Fathering gay, too. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yep. Um, who are all who are all pals. And then at the end, Nadia, as it turns out, not only is she was she in on it the whole time but she was actually not entirely in charge because it sounds like number two was the one who came up with a plan but Uh she is going to be filing a report on his uh whatever performance progress yeah Yeah, exactly yes yeah a a report on him so so yeah I, i i do kind of like that that she ends up being the one who is in the position of sort of most power it's it's nice to see, you know, the woman being the one who's not, you know, had the wool pulled over her eyes like in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And she is non-English. I, I, I don't know where if she, if she is actually Estonian. I don't think she is. But, she, you know, it's great and interesting to see that there's someone from both sides of the Iron Curtain working for this village mm-hmm. to try and get the uh, the answers out of number six. So we still don't know who was running this thing. Could be both. Could be all. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Could be some c- weird third party who mm-hmm. is trying to get information about both of them. We just don't know. Yeah. Someone who's trying to turn the world into the village, mm-hmm. which is what number two said he would like to see someday. That was actually a kind of a cool and sort of poetic speech about, you know, each side looking at each other and suddenly realizing that they're looking into a mirror and everybody comes together uh, you know it's uh, it sort of makes me like n- this particular number two even more because you know he's he's got a vision for peace man mm-hmm. he just wants us all to get along and i feel like i could you know i i, I can dig that yeah he's kind of a he's a bit of a hippie isn't he in the way well in the way that he, like you said that that little innocent way he was sitting in his uh mm-hmm. in his chair was sort of very kind of counterculture mm-hmm. at the time you know that's true he's like he's an authoritarian peacenik which yeah. i mean when you really think about it like the authoritarians want peace they just want to be in charge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a good one anything else about this one before i wrap it up 
Um, she has some serious eye makeup, which doesn't even run very much while she's swimming. That was the thing that I noticed this time. That was impressive. That's spy makeup. <laughs> I want to be a spy. If that's <laughs> if you get if you get to learn makeup tips like that, I sign me up. I don't care which side I'm on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll work for either side. Just give me your give me your fab makeup tips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it then. That's the one. That's the last thought. Makeup. Uh, sure. I'm sure there are. Like you said, there, we could watch this again or just keep talking about it and come up with many many other great observations. So uh, I think we should probably stop. Or I'm just going to go on and on about her hair. Yeah. For the 60th mm-hmm. anniversary of the show, we'll do another mm-hmm. run of podcasts and talk about the stuff we missed in the uh, 50th anniversary version. How's that sound? It's a deal. Done. Okay. Uh, next episode that we'll be watching is A, B, and C. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.